Radio. Who is Jesus to you? A talk by Father Albert Bodzniowski at the Immaculata Mission School 2015, held at the Sacred Heart Retreat Centre in Croydon, Melbourne. Thank you very much for these prayers and thank you for the opportunity to talk about Jesus. And this is probably the greatest topic and looks the easiest, but not always, because that's what looks so easy sometimes can be really quite complicated or complex and, and not too easy. But, my friends, firstly, I will just read you certain kind of the litany. <laughs> it's not exactly litany, but something what a few years ago really touched me and helps me to prepare this talk. What is Jesus to you? Because this is the question, that's what we want to reflect today. He has been called by many names. He is a shepherd and the gate of the flock. He is living bread and flowing water. He is true, truth and life. He is the road and the redeemer. He is savior and healer. He is companion and food for the journey. He is the goal of our life and the Lamb of God. He is the Lion of Judah and the Master Teacher. He is Emmanuel and Son of God. He is Son of Man and Lord. He is the Word of the Father and the Morning Star. He is the Alpha and the Omega, our beginning and end. He is head of the church and judge of all. He is king of kings and branch of David. He is the prince of peace and the great high priest. He is the new Adam and great Amen. He is the pioneer of our faith and the beloved son. He is consolation and cornerstone. He is the morning star and faithful witness. He is the only begotten and the just one. He is the King of the Jews and Lord of all creation. He is the man of uh, sorrows and the true vine. He is the resurrection and the life. He is the splendor of the Father and the refuge of sinners. He is King of glory and eternal wisdom. He is a Messiah and the image of the invisible God. He is eternal word and healer. Quite a litany. <laughs> quite, quite many names. And if you try to listen, it is quite amazing that probably we never really told that way that we can describe Jesus Christ in so many ways. What we heard uh, this morning and last night, what Adam was talking about, about the history of our salvation, leading us to this central point, Jesus Christ. And that is so beautiful because he really gave us, I think, the background what we uh, can use now uh, for, for this talk and everything else what we do later on. 
because the history of salvation is really based on who Jesus Christ is for us, why he came to this world, what exactly is a reason or purpose for to being with us. Simple, because God loves us so much. Because God loves us so much, he sends his son, Jesus Christ, to be with us. And that's what we are celebrating in this uh, Christmas season. And that's what on the Christmas night, uh, uh, when we celebrate the midnight mass or any mass you attended, that was that uh, point. God is with us. God wants to be with us. God wants to be the part of our life. And the way how he does that is sending his son, Jesus Christ, who takes the human flesh, who becomes our brother, who wants to be with us, like us, experience with us everything, what we're going through, and then through that way to be really part of everything what we are going through. And this is that moment that Jesus Christ become the Savior of everything. And now the question is, I'll go with you a little bit through everything what you know. I don't think so. I will say really uh, new things because we know quite a lot about Jesus Christ. But just to give us a little bit kind of the full picture uh, about Jesus Christ. The one who became our brother when he was born in the most humble way, uh, being refused by so many people and uh, the ones who supposed to give him the way, the ones who were waiting for him for ages, talking about uh, starting from the king's palace, going to the temple and priests, uh, uh, they couldn't recognize the signs. Then all other people, everywhere was no room for him. The final, final stage of the journey it is the stable, is a grotto, the situation in the poorest possible situation, surrounded by animals. And then this is the way how God, Jesus Christ, the one who loves us, comes to us. And this is quite a huge proof that God is so desperate to save us, that God is so desperate to show to us how much he loves us, that, that he is not giving up if everyone else refused him, if everyone else is no room for him, he is still desperate to be with us. And that's why he came this final way through the stable and surrounded by animals. And it is so humble way. It is the moment when we can see that Jesus Christ is not looking for anything for himself. He just simply wants to be us, with us. And then later on, uh, we can see in his whole life, uh, that everything about Jesus Christ is li like that. That is ne never about him. It's never about what he wants. It's never about what can uh, make him happy, satisfied, enjoy. It is always what he can do for others. It's always how he can be with us and helps us. It is always about what he can do for us to make our lives easier. And that's what you have to remember, because easily we, we are tempted to blame God for everything that go, goes wrong in our lives, uh, that he didn't do enough. But that's, that's not true. He is the one who wants to be with us for us every time. And that's why uh, he is helping in the, the thousand, we can say, ways. And then 
if we go back to the Gospels uh, and read them, we can see quite, quite many moments when he is proving uh, uh, that how much he takes care about us and he is not important. One of the stories what we know quite well about Jesus Christ, then when he was tired and exhausted physically after doing so much, and then he said to his apostles, uh, let's leave these people, go away on the other side of the lake, and then we can take rest because we did enough. We say that quite often. I did enough. God, mom, dad, boss, give me time, give me rest. I really want to uh, have a few minutes for myself. And Jesus was a human being. He really felt that way in a certain way. And then they crossing the lake, and on the other side, surprise, surprise, people were already waiting for him, and then ready for more service, ready for more of his love. And that's what the apostles, they are quite angry with, with this situation. But Jesus says, no, it's not about us. It's not about me. Let them sit down, and then he starts to preach. He starts to, to give them all the food, the, the spiritual food, to nourish them, because they are hungry. Hungry for the word of God. Hungry for the love of God. And then even takes more. He, he takes the situation and see they are hungry physically. Let's give them some food to eat. And apostles, they are quite uh, angry again. We don't have. We have only little. It's ours. <laughs> I'm not so happy to share that. I'm hungry. Uh, and Jesus says, bring to me. And then... He is multiplying and, and nourishing them even physically, surprising apostles to, to the full, that they were not even prepared for something like that. But he is proving how much he loves us and how much he is ready to sacrifice and perform the miracles what surprise everybody. And the, the other story what we have about Jesus Christ and, and his apostles, when he is again... Uh, saying them, I need my own time to pray, to uh, refresh, and then sending them on the other side of the lake. And in that moment when he is walking towards them, uh, they are panicking because we know the story about the storm and they are panicking, they can be drowned and then lost life, everything. And Jesus Christ can see again. It is not about his time of taking rest. It's not about that, that he can pass and walk uh, and, and do his own job. Straight away, he's helping them. And then helping to give the faith. Uh, and, and the dialogue between Peter and, and Jesus Christ, uh, when, and he is again ready to jump and, and be with Jesus Christ, but the doubts uh, uh, ruin everything, all his good intentions. And Jesus is saving him, restoring his faith, and saving his life. That's what he does all the time. And that's what we can see again in our own lives. What Jesus does, it is he's offering that hand to restore our faith, what we lost, because of our doubts, and then really to save us and put us back to the boat, to be safe, to be in the environment and the life when we are truly safe. That is his job. And then we can see many times other times when people come to him and cry for, for healing, for help, to restore the sight, to restore uh, the health. And this is so many stories in, in, the, in the Gospels about, for example, two blind men who are, they are crying 
Lord, have uh, mercy on us. Have pity uh, on us. We need you. It's the only you who can save us. And Jesus does this job. My friends, this is so important because we can see the certain side of Jesus Christ as a savior. The one who, who came to this world to save us. That's what Adam told us. This is the part of the human history salvation. And then God is teaching us about to, we can be only safe by the love and compassion which Jesus Christ is showing us. And again, if we go back to the Gospels, we have the beautiful story uh, about a leper. Who is a leper? The person who is totally rejected, refused, put outside the, the society, community, marginalized to the, 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 the most possible way because of the disease. Is no room for these people within us then they have to be totally outside. And if they try to, to come closer, they have to warn us. They have to make some kind of the sound that, that, that everyone is aware and simply we can run away from, from, from them. And Jesus is showing us, no, that is not me. I don't operate that way. It is, is the leper is also uh, the child of God, that leper is the part of our human life. That means that we have to, to bow down, and that's what he does. He comes closer, grabs this man, and then heals him, and restores his life fully, truly. Means that he is back to his own life, back to the community, back to the, everything what the life can mean for him. And this is Jesus Christ. That's what we are talking about, the love of God. And we, we easily can create lepers around us. In our own heart, you, you, you can see how many times we are tempted to push away the people from our lives. How many times easily we put them outside. My life outside uh, my zone on, on safety. Because I'm not comfortable with that person. Because I'm uh, uh, scared or afraid that this person can do something to me what can affect my life. And then the best, safest way is throw them away. Jesus says, no. There, he loves them and he wants them to be part of our life. And it is so important moment. And we have the story about the paralytic who is brought to Jesus Christ to be uh, cured. And then, because people uh, are occupied the whole room and there's no way that he can be brought in, then the other people open the roof and lower him down. We know the story as well, how beautiful story is when Jesus restores this man's life in the way, firstly, forgiving his sins, and then, uh, secondly, to give him full uh, health. And again, everyone in the room amazed, but also upset. They are not happy what he does. They are not happy that he is uh, acting like God, that he is giving the chance to this paralyzed man to have full life, spiritual and physical. And that's why they judge Jesus. But again, his love and compassion is greater than human judgment. And Jesus Christ doesn't care what these people around him will say. He knows this man needs me. I'm here to give him back his life, to give him opportunity to be a new person. My friends, 
this is again kind of the fear what sometimes we have uh, afraid to help others because what others will, will say, what others will think about me, how they will react uh, if I will compromise my position, my authority, my way of being in this group. Jesus doesn't care about that. What is the important? The need of this certain person, paralyzed man. He needs him. That's why he's acting the way with love and compassion. Then we have other stories, just briefly. Uh, a story about uh, the girl restored to life, uh, which uh, uh, was brought to life because of the love of her mother and, and the mother who was really uh, losing her life because she was the only one what she had. The woman who was uh, affected by the disease, uh, losing blood. And again, she had the faith to just touch Jesus Christ's cloth and then be restored to health and restored to life. She knew coming to Jesus Christ just to touch his cloth. Nothing else is needed because the faith will do the rest. And that's what is happening. And Jesus is giving her it's not always that I have to, to talk face to face to Jesus Christ. Sometimes I just can grab his cloth to be somewhere behind but have a faith. And again, Jesus responds with love and compassion. That's what is the gospel. That's what is the love of Jesus Christ. My friends, this is certain ways how Jesus Christ acts as a savior in, in our daily life. And that's what the gospel is teaching us and showing his presence with us. God also wants Jesus Christ to act like a fisherman. And this is quite interesting story because Jesus Christ, it, it is calling people to his uh, ministry or service. People who are coming from the, the sites which we'll never expect. And this is quite of the beautiful, I think, part of the gospel, which we can't really forget how God acts again. Because the apostles, the closest one who comes to Jesus Christ, as we all know, and that's what I told you, I will not tell anything uh, new, but there are the people who comes to his uh, help from the side what normally we don't expect. If he is the great master as a teacher, kind of the university professor, we expect that everyone who will assist him, that will be obviously educated, clever, smart, uh, the ones who, who knows how uh, to, to operate in that environment. Jesus Christ is a great, great master. He is the, the son of God. He is the one who, comes, uh, who came to bring the good news. He is speaking the people to help him, less educated from the lowest society uh, group. He is speaking the people who are uh, not prepared, educated, who are rough and difficult, who are just fighting with the nature on the boat, uh, trying to catch some fish. He is uh, picking the people who are uh, against the society as the tax collectors, as the sinners. And what is wrong with this Jesus? What, what, what exactly he is doing that, that he pick up that kind of the people? Again, he is showing that for God, Everyone is so important. And I think that's what the Pope Francis is trying to, these days, really remind us. We, as a Christian people, as a Catholic people, 
as a church, probably we did went wrong direction a little bit, trying to be kind of the high society, <laughs> and instead of seeing that the God is with us, starting from the lowest level, starting from the from the ground. And then he wants to pick up us and give us opportunity, give us the chance, give us uh, uh, everything what we need. And that's what we heard when we were praying before, that let's give God to give us, give him chance to work on us, to call us, to, to give us the chance to grow to some special people. And, and it is just to remind you the story from the gospel when Jesus is choosing these uh, 12 apostles. Now during these days, he went out to the mountain to pray and he spent the night in prayer to God. And when they came, he called his disciples and chose 12 of them, whom he also named apostles. Simon, whom he named Peter, his brother Andrew and James and John and Philip and Bartholomew and Matthew and Thomas, and James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who was called the Zealot, and Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Why I'm reading that? Because we have exact names. God is calling individually. He's not calling just all of you, come, follow me. <laughs> you are called, I'm called to the certain job. And then we are called by name. That, that God has plans for us. God did have a plan for this 12. God has the plan to use these people for the sake of others. Jesus needed them to walk with him and does the job what has to be done. And that's why Jesus needs you, needs me, and then he calls us by name to these very jobs. And then, and we have certain mission and purpose of our lives. Question, of course, is that we not always straight away understand. That's why we discern. That's why we are coming here and, and, and praying and to help us to discern whatever that purpose of my life is, whatever uh, uh, job God prepared for me will be revealed in the right time. And apostles didn't know exactly what they were called for. They just simply knew we have to follow him. He is so great. He is so wonderful that, that we feel we have to go follow him. The rest was gradually revealed them to the very last moment, uh, even in the moment on the Calvary, when, when the Peter's, for example, eyes were opening finally that he could see what exactly is his purpose of life. And that's what we can see how important uh, in our life it is that we respond to God's call. The other things what we know about Jesus Christ, it is a way of teaching. And certain important message which comes from the gospel and Jesus Christ, that salvation can happen, we can say that way, only if we follow the teaching of Jesus Christ. And one of these, uh, the, probably the most important teaching about our faith and about Jesus Christ, it is the teaching of forgiveness. The Christian God is God of love and forgiveness. We can see that without that, 
is no way we can move even one step ahead in our lives. And then I think each one of us sitting here in this room can tell the stories about how many times I needed forgiveness, how many times I was asked to forgive, and what kind of the challenge that forgiveness is about in my life. And then God is showing us again through Jesus Christ when he is teaching that this is the only way that the certain things can progress in our lives. He, God is always the one who is seeking us. If we lost, like that story about the lost uh, sheep, that he is ready to leave all others behind, uh, knowing that they will be fine, that the lost one can be brought back home. The lost one is never forgotten, neglected. The lost one has the second chance to, to have life again. And that is one of the most beautiful things what Jesus is teaching us. And the story about prodigal son, again, we know that story so well. And we know uh, how important that story is in, in our lives. Be because without that father's love and forgiveness, uh, is no way that, that we can progress. Because kind of the guilt can kill us. The guilt uh, devil used in our lives to, to depress uh, us, to uh, press us down and showing uh, that because I lost everything what God entrusted in me, because I, I really uh, betrayed my father, that is no future for me. This is natural feeling. And, and we know that quite often, that, that being the ones who really betrayed, the ones who broke all the promises, who, who really neglected all the love and trust, it's not easy to come back and to apologize and to ask for forgiveness. And many people, and I can tell you as a priest, many people have difficulty to ask for forgiveness and then to believe they can be forgiven. Takes sometimes years, years to, to find the courage and to believe and trust that God can receive me back and then I can be forgiven. The prodigal son story, it is one of the most beautiful again, showing us for God is the most important at the very moment when we come back to senses. When we just understand that, that I was wrong. I was stupid, what I did. But now I know someone loves me. I know it is that home when I can go back and then someone will receive me back home, back to life when I have the second chance. And that's what Jesus is teaching us. That's what Jesus is showing us, that we can really come back to our God. And that's what he, who is our Jesus, our Savior. And then he is calling us to that way as well, that we can love the way how God loves us. That's why we have the most beautiful commandment, love one another the way how God loves us. That's why Jesus is encouraging us to be like a little child, to behave in the simplicity, in, in, with the full trust that God loves us with everything who we are in the way how uh, we sometimes express our love and then gratitude and we praise and worship God, but also with all our weaknesses and difficulties and then even sinfulness, still 
he loves us. And that is the simplicity we can come to him and then just ask for his love and then he does love us. And then we can really trust fully God with everything. And my friends, going in that way, we come to the point when we can see that Jesus Christ in the last stage, and that's what Adam said this morning about Jesus as a savior. That what we know from the gospel, a lot of the church teach about him in the creed when we profess uh, our faith. It is how Jesus act. That he acting in that way, he is teaching us and showing us uh, what God truly is. And one of the probably the most touching moments is the moments in the Last Supper room when he's celebrating first Eucharist. But before that, washing the feet, then uh, becoming so humble to the way that uh, he, as a God, as an almighty one, as a savior, the one who has the full power, is coming to our human feet to wash them. Then to, uh, to act like a slave, almost. And this is what we can see in the Middle East in that time. Uh, th th that was the slave's job to serve the master, to, to go to his feet and then uh, clean them and, and wash them. That's what Jesus is showing us, his humility, that his ministry, his job as a savior, it is to act in that way uh, with the true love that he almost acts like a slave. That means that he is ready to do everything for us. And, then, and that's what he does. Later on, we can see that he is going to Calvary and then to die for, for us because he loves us. And that was the job for the slaves as well. Uh, they were they supposed to die for, for the master when that was needed. But Jesus is teaching us this uh, humility in our lives because that's what is needed every day in our lives. How we uh, act towards each other how we see another person next to me. And this is another very important moment of that life. And then he gave his life for us as a sinful people. It's easy to die for someone who is great. It is easy to do anything for the people who loves you, who respects you, who come to you uh, as a, someone who is important. And it's no problem for me to sacrifice my time, my money, for someone who is great to me. But to go and die for someone who offends me, someone who disrespects me, someone who uh, betrayed me, someone who broke all the promises uh, uh, given to me, and then someone who created uh, some emotional pain or spiritual pain in me, that we are not so easy to go and do something for these people. We are not so easy and happy to sacrifice our own time or uh, other things in our lives and forget it about that I will die for this person. No way. What he or she did to me, uh, it is totally wrong and then I, I'm not going to die for this person. Sin is the most offensive things to God. 
because we simply turn back to God. We simply uh, walk away from everything what God gives us or teaches us. And Jesus is dying for sinful people. That he, he is not offended what we did or what we are doing. He simply is ready because he loves us so much to die for us. And this is the way how he is proving that he is a savior to all of us. And his love for us caused him great suffering. And I always remind, especially good Holy Week time, that the suffering on the cross, physical suffering, it is terrible. But emotional, spiritual uh, pain sometimes can be and probably is worse than anything else. Because the spiritual pain and emotional pain goes through your soul, to the deepness of your heart, goes everywhere. You can have pain in one hand, in your leg, in your knee, and in just one area. But if you suffer mentally, if you suffer emotionally and spiritually, affects all your person. And what Jesus is facing now, the cost what he is paying for us, to save us, to, to change our lives and give us opportunity for the new life, it is that kind of the pain, physical and spiritual. Because he is betrayed, because he is disappointed, because the people who are supposed to be his disciples totally disappointed him with every possible way, everything what he entrusted in them, everything what he taught them, is one big disappointment. And I, I think we can relate quite a lot with that kind of the situations. When you trust your friend and you trust with certain things, this person sharing your, your story, telling that person that something important happens in my life, and then you trusting that person will help, support, or just understand, and then later on, you can see everything went wrong. The story went further, people totally misunderstood you, people walk away from you, this is, and then one after another, everything is going wrong. And that kind of the disappointment, uh, uh, that way how you can feel betrayed, it is affecting everything in, in our lives. And that's what that great suffering of Jesus Christ on the cross is about. Physical pain, what the Roman soldiers created through the cross. But even more, that uh, the people who are supposed to be with him, they betrayed him. And that's why uh, he, he, in this moment, is going through the most difficult time. But again, he accepted because he loves us so much. Even to the point that he, he wept for us. He really did cry from the cross and, and praying for us. And this is, again, so amazing moment. Amazing moment because when I'm angry, when I'm suffering, and the people who really created pain for, for me, the, the thought will be to curse them, to uh, tell them uh, off in every possible way. <laughs> and But... He is just crying. He is just crying and praying and asking God for, for forgiveness. And uh, this is something for what it is in, in so beautiful about Jesus Christ 
as our savior. And he also allowed himself to be humiliated. This is really hard to accept sometimes, because even if I accept my pain and suffering, I can believe to be proud. All right, God. <laughs> I do. I suffer. I accept what you prepared for, for me. But don't humiliate me. Don't <laughs> make even harder with everything what I'm going through. They, people make fun of Jesus Christ. You are the king of the Jewish people. You are the king. Where is your army? Where is your uh, soldiers to defend you? Where are your people? Where are your followers? Everything is gone. No one is around you. More pain, more uh, uh, things which really depress Jesus Christ. Humiliation, uh, it is that moment which really takes everything from Jesus Christ. Why? Because he loves us. Again, because he really wants us to see that if he sacrificed himself, he sacrificed fully to the very, very last way point possible. And everything is taken away from him, and then he dies for us to save us. And this is the true description of our God. This is the way how he loves us. And my friends, this is really important to remember and see that because what we can see and, and what I would like to go with you to try to seeing these few moments, what I said, I can't go through every uh, passage from the gospel and, and, and reflect about everything what Jesus uh, did and does for us. Uh, I gave these few thoughts that you can have some picture, but I would like to go with you now to the situation when we can see our own lives. And then the litany, what I read to you, I will go little bit one more time. And simply, we can ask ourselves what Jesus is to me in, in my life. I don't know your lives so much. <laughs> uh, some of you I know a little bit better. Most I don't know much, but I know my life. <laughs> and uh, I know what I went through. And if I can share with you a few moments of my life, to help you to understand what probably God, Jesus Christ, does in, in your life. If we go back to this certain litany names, what I read before on the beginning. He is the, a shepherd and the gate of the flock. Shepherd is always the one who is a leader, the one who looks after his flock, and is leading that flock, showing them the way. And that's what I can see. God is always calling us. God is calling me. He did one great call, I can say, calling me to priesthood and religious life, and then I will never forget uh, that very moment in, in my life when discerning about my vocation and discerning who I want to be in my life, then it was really the turning point in the moment like from the gospel when Jesus Christ is calling his apostles and then simply say, follow me. And 
I, I remember one day I was on the retreat, similar retreat with what you're doing now, and then we were watching a movie called Jesus of Nazareth. And it was at already two years in my life, discerning, asking, uh, fighting with God in, in my heart, asking what he really wants from me, should I be married and have my family and having the career, or to go follow him. And discerning process is never easy, and any one of you, discerning priesthood, religious life, marriage, even single life, because that is also the way what God is calling people. It is a lot of uh, prayers, a lot of, I think, hours on our knees and talking with God, and that's what I did have. And suddenly, yes, that was that moment, watching the movie, and then sitting in the big room with everybody, like almost everything disappeared. It was only that call of, from the movie when Jesus is calling uh, uh, Simon Peter, follow me. And I knew, in that very moment, I knew, yes, he's calling me. It's not Peter, <laughs> it is me. It is my turn now. <laughs> and, then, uh, and simply, I said yes, and whatever that in, was included with this yes, I accepted and I came back home from that retreat and I knew that this is my way. I want to be a priest, I want to join the religious life, and then I will go follow Jesus Christ. And he really became the shepherd. And that's why I can't call him as a shepherd, good shepherd, who is calling me into this life. But there are some other moments, and then the, the ways how you can see Jesus Christ as well. And then... He is also the savior and healer and companion of our journey with him. And this word companion, I think, uh, became quite a big part of my life. When I joined the order, uh, I said to myself, and then living in Poland in the time, in the communist country where we were not allowed uh, to travel abroad, simply I said, I want to be in Poland. This is my journey. This is my life. I, uh, I, I never, never dreamed to go anywhere else uh, to other country. And then my general superior, two years after my ordination, called me uh, and said, I need someone in Australia. Albert, just think about it. And then please come and tell me what you want to do. And after two weeks, Discerning, asking people, even my own family, I came with the uh, solution that I, I don't want to go. Uh, and I, I went for the appointment with my general superior and told him, Father General, no, I, I prefer to stay in Poland. I don't want to go to Australia. His answer was very simple. You go. And, <laughs> and now go to the chapel, to the Black Madonna, pray to her. It's done. That was the shortest ever appointment with my general superior, deciding about my whole life. <laughs> but that was the beginning of the journey, because coming to Australia, I came without language. I didn't speak English at all. In the communist time in Poland, we did learn uh, Russian. Uh, and coming here to the country 
which I didn't know anything. Back in Poland in that time, nothing was really printed about Australia. I was checking all the books and encyclopedias, nothing was there. I couldn't prepare myself at all. And then I landed in Queensland in the place which did in the farm, which we just purchased as a religious order. We didn't have electricity, no running water. I couldn't communicate with anybody. It was with me another priest who was the Polish background, but no one else, everyone else English speaking. And I, I can tell you that was one of the most difficult experience in my life. Because back in Poland, I was working in the parish, uh, teaching in the school, high school, having more than 350 students when I was working full time as a, a scripture or religious classes teacher, uh, 24 hours a week, then having few youth groups working, uh, being in the parish all day from six o'clock morning till sometimes midnight non-stop surrounded by people doing something, sharing my faith, teaching them at school, teaching them at the monastery in, in our parish. And I landed in the simple valley in Queensland when there was nobody around. That, and then if people came, they were mostly people between 60 and 100 years old. <laughs> And then even that, I couldn't communicate with, with them because I didn't speak the language. I had no idea. And I can tell you, this is the most humiliating moment in your life. When you are mature men, educated, when you have everything inside you, all the uh, capacity to, to preach, to having certain knowledge about your faith, having your experience, and you are standing in front of the people and you can't say anything because you can't communicate with them. And then you're depending with everything of someone to translate for you. That I couldn't say mess for the people and then I didn't have chance to hear confessions and preach. I couldn't have the cup of coffee and talk with people, just with myself and God. And then <laughs> going any shopping, do anything, Always someone, I needed someone to go with me. And I can tell you that was so humiliating, so difficult for me because everything was taken away from me. Everything what I knew. Everything what uh, I could be independent, what I could give to others, nothing was left. And when we're talking about Jesus Christ, humiliated, Jesus Christ, who sacrificed everything for, for others, Jesus Christ, who, who lost everything, I felt that way. <laughs> that, and then I was quite angry with God, saying to him, I sacrificed my life for you. I left my, uh, my family, uh, my kind of the natural dreams as, as a man, to having family, to having children, and then uh, I left even my country, my friends, and what are you giving me back in return? Nothing. I'm just standing and can have that cup of coffee and talk to you only and myself. And it was so frustrating, so difficult, and going for months till you can learn the language. And that's what I'm uh, talking about, that Jesus Christ is a companion of our journey. Because that was so difficult experience, but so teaching experience. 
learning about myself, learning about you know, I'm truly humble or I'm really proud man. And then you know, I'm truly accepting God's will and then what he prepared for me. Or I was telling at the time, God, if I can only walk on the water, I will cross the ocean and go back to Poland on my own feet. I don't need even ship or plane. That, that was kind of the feeling inside me. And this is the situation when we can see Jesus Christ is a companion of our journey because he was the companion, praying to him and spending hours on, on, on my knees and, and fighting with kind of the temptation to go to my superiors and tell them, send me back home. I, I can't stand in this country and, and not having electricity and, and fan Queensland. Uh, I arrived in February the most humid time. Poland minus 20, up there was plus 30, 50 degrees difference, and then, and no, no fan, the only fan, my hand. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I said, I came from the former communist country, civilized country, coming here to Australia, expectation was to have just electricity, but I didn't have for one year. <laughs> And that was so many obstacles like that to, to ask God what is going on. And this is something what you can see that God, again, when I was praying, it is amazing how gradually he purified me to accept his will, to see that, that I'm not forgotten, to see that is the purpose for me, to, to stay in this country. And I can tell you, it is, because now I can see, yes, Poland as a Catholic country could give me a lot of joy, uh, pastoral work and everything. But the joy, what I received now in Australia, and kind of being enriched with the people from so many different backgrounds, and seeing the country and church who is struggling a lot compared to Poland uh, during the communists, we became a really strong church. Uh, and probably you know to the John Paul II and St. Faustina, all these uh, devotions that the Polish church was always very, very strong. But coming here, I did learn something else, something more, what the Poland will never give me chance or opportunity. Coming here and seeing the people who are struggling for the, for the faith in this very materialistic way of life in the society which we are, society which uh, can challenge us so much, I can see that my priesthood and my religious life uh, has even more meaning uh, for me. And that's what I'm grateful to God. And that's what I can see. That is the, the journey, what God prepared for me, what I never planned. I'm telling these things to you because each one of you is going through a different journey on, on your life. And you have certain challenges as well, your, your, your own challenges. You're asking the questions and, and God, uh, because you can say that God is challenging you at home with your family, taking away from you what you like maybe, or people uh, walk away from your life, you ask God, you go to university, to workplace, and then again, everything can go upside down, can be really tough, difficult, uh, superiors, bosses, uh, can be the teachers who really uh, put you down, and, and then you feel depressed, lost. Jesus Christ is a companion of your journey, for sure. And he is that food for the journey. Coming to him, seeing what he went through 
on the cross, how he was humiliated, how he suffered so much. Then when he lost everything and nobody could understand him, you can come to him, talk to him, and then he will be companion of your journey. There are the moments also when I can see that Jesus Christ, it is truly the word from God and morning star when certain things can be lost in, in, in your life. One of my experience being now uh, provincial superior of, of my community in Australia, that was another strange call from God, which uh, I, I never expected, being quite new, young, and not knowing language and country so much, I was elected as a superior. But with that great, I think, elevation, if we can say that way, you also have a lot of challenges and difficulties and responsibility and choices what you have to make and, and deal with the life situations when they can really cost you a lot. And one of them, uh, some of you, probably sisters, they know our place and monastery in Penrose Park. And uh, we have quite beautiful church, monastery, huge property, when we invite the people, ethnic groups, they, they having little shrines built by them, and then we have almost 40 of them. And now our new project is to build the proper uh, facilities as a retreat center with hall and accommodation. And the local council, it is always against us. We never had any support for, for that. And for a couple years, when we lodge the application for the permission, uh, all possible obstacles came not to give us that permission. Finally, the case went to court. And then the court, thanks God, came on our side and we got that DA application uh, permission to start to build this new project uh, center for, for our pilgrims who are coming. But one of the conditions, it was to cut down 13 trees uh, on our property. And then to do that, it was uh, another kind of the research to be done. And the person who was doing, she took ages to, to prepare that, that, that uh, report for the permission to cut down the trees. To the point when it came to the, the last couple of weeks. And then finally she gave us the report and when I went to the council, the council told me, you lost your application already. It is too late. And then I really became quite gray on that night. <laughs> because we are talking about the moments in my very personal life, I was entrusted by my community with this job to make sure that we don't lose what for a couple years we were fighting, what people entrusted us, people gave us money. For the court case, we paid about $100,000. For other paper preparation, paperwork, another dozens of thousands. There's so much money was spent already to prepare everything. And then now someone is telling me it's lost. Everything is lost. And honestly, I'm telling you that was one of the worst moments in my life. Then simply I understood that is failure, it's my, my fault. I didn't do enough right things and I lost everything. And 
thanks be to God, there are good people around the world. <laughs> it was someone who checked the case and then found it. No, the, our DA application, it, it was extended for another six months, but took another couple weeks when I got uh, that proved. And for these two weeks, as you can imagine, I was on my knees a lot, and then and, and asking God for a miracle, asking God for a miracle, and then and he became a, that morning star, that, that that sunshine coming, the all the light when the news came, and then all the prayers answered. That 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 was a moment when I really describe him, Jesus Christ, you are morning star. You're really giving me life back. You're really helping me to, to see, have a hope and, and see the future. And, and that's why, again, there are the moments when certain things can be lost in your life. There are the moments when you think uh, that you, you are a failure. But no, again, coming to Jesus Christ, not to lose the faith, to fight, to, to, to trust him is so important. And that's why he is honestly that Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end, everything belongs to him. It's not like that, that is my, my job and then I can control everything. And that was one of the things what I learned in that moment. It's not up to me. He has the ways. He has people. He has others who can help you. And then to trust him and see that, that he is the one who started and he will finish. And then he is really the beginning and the end, and then he is the morning star. And I, in that time, I really could see him that, that way so much in, in my life. Another thing, if I take a little bit more time, <laughs> uh, Jesus Christ, we can call him, he is the, the man of sorrows and the true vine. The certain suffering, what I already mentioned to you and, and what we all spoke, it is the sufferings which we have to be prepared in our lives as well. We can't be naive. And some, sometimes we are tempted that way, that because Jesus loves us so much, then everything should go smooth in my life. One of the greatest moments in, in, in my life journey, it was the, the day when I entered monastery. The day when, because I couldn't wait, right after high school, uh, I, I joined the religious life. And I will never forget the day when I entered the, the gate and the door. Uh, back in Poland, the monasteries, uh, quite similar where we are staying now, but our monastery was built about, started 600 years ago in Częstochowa, and through all the years extended. And it's quite huge place, but also built in the style, uh, like probably you can, from the movies, know the, the jail looks, the, the, the cell in the monastery looks like the cell in the prison. And then, uh, Brother John, who was in Poland, and he knows the, our main monastery in Częstochowa, the ground floor monastery has the, the, the rooms, the, the walls minimum one or one and a half meter deep, the, the, and the windows with the bars, they looks like that nobody can break in. It's typically jail cell. And when 
when I entered to the monastery, and then the, the, the priest who was receiving us took us to the room, and then I walked in, and then, then half dark, huge walls, bars, and then the first expectation will be where I am. This is, this is not the monastery, this is not the home, this is the jail. But I sat down on the bed, and I said to myself, God, thank you. I'm at home. <laughs> I'm at home. I'm, I'm so happy. Finally, after all these years of discerning, uh, struggling with myself, finally, I am at home. I'm so happy. I'm really grateful. This is the beginning of my life. And that was the beginning of, of my life in the religious life and preparation towards priesthood. Beautiful day. And then... The first thing is what you can imagine, that uh, coming to the monastery can be your safest place, what you can imagine. That from now on, everything should be smooth. From now on, you are fully protected by these walls, by your community, you are protected by God, that everything should go fine. That's what we dream about the marriage, that's what we dream about the relationship with boyfriend, girlfriend, that if I find someone, everything will be nice, smooth, beautiful, then only blessings come to my life. Doesn't work always that way. Doesn't. One of the things, and probably one of my biggest met marks in my life, it was uh, the situation when I was the black male, when I entered the monastery, it was still communist in Poland. And the communists did operate in the way to break down people of the church as possible, as many as possible, and then different ways. And one of the ways it was that was the false seminarians and priests. People sent it by the secret police to join the seminary, to join the monastery, to, from inside, to break the people, to collect the informations, to uh, also affect the community and the people to break them in own vocations, that the church will be destroyed from inside. And it did happen that I was blackmailed by someone who was in working for the secret police. And the most difficult things in the situations like that, it is they use any possible way to break your vocation and to take away from you everything what you believe. They did operate in that way that, for example, if they want to break the priest, they sometimes, we, we know the stories from now, from files which they left, that, for example, if the priest was too active, too good, then one day the woman with the baby child was knocking to the door in front of the older parishioners, for example, after Sunday Mass, and shouting to everybody, this child is of, the, of your parish priest. He had this child with me. And it was one of the ways to break this priest, to take away from him good name, and to destroy everything what he was doing. There, there were the ways when they were killing the priest and, and simulating the situations when, for example, the priest was killed in the car accident because of drinking driving. But 
the accident was usually simulated and then the alcohol was poured to his mouth that later on when ambulance came, when they checked, they believed that the priest was drunk and, and created this accident and was killed. But in reality, everything was arranged by the secret police. There was the situations when we found the priest dead in the presbytery and again, uh, alcohol involved then uh, looking like they were drunk too much and have the kind of the heart attack because of too much alcohol. That was quite common situations. And what I'm trying to say that in that very moment in my life, someone came and said that you have to, to work for us. Then, and if you say anything to anybody in your superiors, in the monastery, in the seminary, to anybody, the one of the things what you probably know and I did know, people dying by accident. And simply I was told that if, if I say too much about him, then, for example, my mom can have kind of the car accident. That my brother can fall down on the stairs and then die. And someone from my family will disappear because that's what happens. And I'm telling you, that is the moment in your life when someone blackmails you and then is telling you that you have to make a choice to cooperate with the evil or to, to protect your family members. You have to make a choice between your vocation, what you dream about, and, and all your life you were preparing and discerning, and then finally you are in this place. And then, or maybe it's better to leave and go back home. And that was one of my biggest dilemma, what to do with my life. Then, because I refused to co cooperate, and then I'd, in that time I couldn't do much because I was just simply seminarian. That they were trying to find the people for the future. They were trying to find and prepare kind of the agents who will work for them later on when they are ordained to the priesthood. But in that moment, my dilemma it was what, what to do? To keep staying in the monastery and then in the priesthood because that's what I was dreaming about? Or to live religious life, go back home and then be safe? To protect my family because they can be killed? or to pro protect my own dreams. And took altogether almost two years. And they were probably the, the worst two years in my life. I did spend hours in the monastery, chapel, praying, asking what to do. Me, my life, what I want, what I dream about, or my family, or my brothers in the monastery, my church, Jesus Christ, and I was asking Jesus, why? Why me? What do you want from me? Why are you taking me to that point? In this safe place, what's supposed to be, in this monastery, in this life, I came to you, and then you're taking away from me my joy, my happiness. And honestly, I was, for more than one year, almost every night in the chapel, 
not even kneeling, but prostrating and crying and asking God, what is going on in my life? Why me? I don't know why. I don't, till now, I don't know why. I had that, that experience in my life. Thanks God, the communist collapse. This guy left the seminary and then disappeared totally because after the communist collapse, most of them just simply walk away and they st stopped to recruit the people for, for the job. But my experience in that moment, it was experience with Jesus Christ, who is the man of sorrow, what he went through, and then staying in the Calvary. And that was the Calvary on beginning of my life in the priesthood. Beginning of everything what I said to you, that you think that you can be safe, that you are entering some stage of life or circumstances of life which nothing can happen to me, and suddenly the, the most safe place can be one of the most difficult places. And that's what Jesus really went through as well. The man of sorrow, the son of God, chosen one, the Messiah, the Savior, then he is suffering in the, the worst possible way. He's going through all that sorrow, physical and emotional. And this is the reality of the life, what I think sometimes you have to be prepared. It's not like that because I choose to be a Catholic, because I choose to be follower of Jesus Christ, everything will be now nice and smooth. Yes, God will give you and gave me. I'm already 20 years a priest, 26 years in the religious life, and no regret. I can tell you honestly, no regrets at all. Uh, I'm really grateful to God who I am, and then I still can say mess and I can serve people. But there are moments of sorrow. There are the moments when you really can feel that you have to pick up your cross and follow Jesus Christ. And that's what I would like to remind you. In your life as well, choosing Jesus Christ as your Savior, he will help you and he will give you all the strength. And he gave me. That's why I'm here, standing in front of you today. And then that's why I'm even on this part of the world. And he had some plans. And he did help me to go through all these things for the sake, because he loves me, and I know that, and because he wants to help me, others as well, through me. And there are so many moments, maybe last more things, and when, if I can share with you the day when my father passed away. I was 16 years old, and my father passed away in Czechoslovakia. He was working there, and was really sudden death through kind of the accident in the factory when he worked. And then I was with my mom at home, and someone from his uh, workplace came to, with the news to us. And then when they walk home and tells us that he is dead, I was, what I said, 16 years old in the time. And then, evening, I went to church for the parish mass. And the Holy Communion time came. And during this Holy Communion time, when I received Jesus Christ, that was one of the most beautiful moments in my life. The feelings, amazement that God loves me. Even in, on that day, I lost my father. 
in the day there was the worst possible news in my life, but the feeling of receiving Holy Communion, that, that the peace what I had, and, and feeling you will be fine, I am with you. That was, and I will never forget that very moment. And I can tell you even my first mess wasn't like that, uh, uh, the same feeling. But this is what Jesus is, the bread of life. And he is the truly resurrection to all of us. And again, in certain moments in your life, you can come to him and you can receive him and then he will help you with everything what you are going through. And truly, I believe this is the way how he works in our lives. This is the way how he touched us. And maybe for the very last things I will read from the Gospel of St. Luke. This is the chapter which is talking about the cost to be disciple of Jesus Christ. Now large crowds were traveling with him, and he turned and said to them, Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it will begin to radical uh, him, saying, this fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to wage war against another king, will not sit down first and consider whether he is able with the 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000. If he cannot then, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for, the, for terms of peace. So therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. I think if we ask the same questions one more time, who or what Jesus is to, to us, I think all these names, what we reflected, I think each one of us can find the answer. Jesus Christ, uh, it is our Savior, but the way how he saves us comes so many different ways. And, then, and I, I hope so that what we reflect and what I was sharing with you can help you in your choices, in your ways, to find Jesus Christ and then and establish a relationship with him which can help you in your faith journey. Amen. That was Father Albert Bosniowski with Who is Jesus to You? For more from the Immaculata Mission School, visit cradio.org.au.